Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. Oh man, so good to see you guys tonight. You excited to be in the house of the Lord? Come on. Man, you're going to have to get a little louder than that or I'm going to preach all night long. I'm telling you, it's been five weeks so I can do it. I promise you that. Um, we're excited that you're here, especially excited for our visitors that are in the house. Can you give our visitors a round of applause? Man, it's such a big deal that you decided to worship Jesus with us tonight. And I'm going to tell you, there is such an incredible spirit of the Lord in this house. Anybody else sense what I sense? My goodness, what a night. What a night to be in the room where the glory of the Lord is, is, is near. We know that God is everywhere, but he's also at times, at specific, at specific points in time, he comes near in a tangible way. And he's certainly here tonight in such a way. And uh, we're so excited that you're here and, uh, and just anticipating. I know God's already speaking. He's already ministering. He's already moving. Can I tell you that? Some of you aren't sure what you're feeling. That's the spirit of the Lord that you are feeling, that you are encountering. Oh, that you're encountering his love. That's his love that's being overshadowed in your heart. The devil is a liar. The Lord loves you. He, he has set his eyes on you, and he's ministering to you tonight, and he's not finished yet. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 2. If you found it, say amen. If you don't have a Bible, this is a good time just to snuggle up next to the person, particularly maybe if you maybe if you're mildly attracted to them. Maybe I'm gonna be honest, sometimes sometimes attitude follows action, and maybe you're not attracted to them at all. Just get a little closer. Get a little read of the Bible there. I'm just kidding. Where am I? Matthew chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Tell your neighbor he wasn't the king. No, he wasn't the king. He gave himself that title, right? He called himself the king of the Jews, but the Jews didn't vote on him, right? And so he, uh, he, this was a self-imposed title that this arrogant man had bestowed upon himself. And so it says, behold, wise men. Somebody say wise men. From the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Such a cool picture there because the wise men from the east are coming from Babylon. They're coming from 900 miles away. They're coming from a two-year journey. They've been in pursuit of the real king. And when they stood before this fake king, they knew he wasn't the real one. And they asked Herod, where's the king? Oh, you know that had to go straight to straight to the heart of Herod. You know he had to huff and puff, right? Huff, 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 huff. No, we want to know who where the real king is. We want to know where the anointed one is. We want to know where the Messiah is. We saw his star in the east, and we've been on a journey, and we'll know when we meet him. And it's not you, Herod. Hallelujah. Oh, my God, my God. And so their heart is filled with great anticipation. And he says, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Say he was upset. And this is really crazy. It wasn't just Herod that was upset. Who else was? All the 
Jews, you're upset. Huh? They're upset. They've got the Pentateuch. They know the promise. They know the promised Messiah. And they're troubled too. And the Bible says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And look at this, verse 5. They told him. They knew he was coming too. They knew the promised one was coming to Bethlehem. Just a, just a, a short trip down the road. They knew where he was supposed to be at as well. And so they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. See, they knew he was coming, and they knew where he was coming. But there was no anticipation there. There was no pursuit. Verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, and it's clear that they, they must have, have told him, it has been a, approaching two years, because remember the decree that he releases to kill all the two years and under. He says, go and search diligently for the child. He's talking to the wise man. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream, get this, verse 12, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I want to preach to us with the Lord's help on this thought tonight. The Christmas message titled, Midnight Misfits. Midnight Misfits. I don't know what your favorite Christmas movie is. <clears throat> the Elf. What's up, buddy? Jim Carrey. Okay, I love. I love. I. I. You know, sometimes the, the the flesh really hangs on. You know, there's some things that are really hard to crucify. Um, Paul talked about a thorn in the flesh. I don't know if his was Chevy Chase and Christmas Vacation or not, but, man, uh, Cousin Eddie's my dude. And so um, one, one, uh, one classic I think that most of us, most of us uh, can relate to is uh, the one, you know, Rudolph's red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny ear, and if you ever saw it, you would even say it hurt. Somebody help me. Uh, used to laugh and call him names. 
can never let poor Rudolph. But what happens? Then what happened? Good job. Give yourself a round of applause. Absolutely. Yes. And so, oh, man, very, uh, a very, very, very uh, Advent message, uh, I think, in the, in the Rudolph story, right? Um, like talking about um, a bunch of, a bunch of people who end up a bunch of misfits who can't find their place, who end up on an island abandoned, right? And so, like, you've got, uh, you've got the, the, what's the, the little elf's name who wants to be a dentist, and, and he's, and, you know, he's trying to be a dentist, but he's got to be an elf, and he's not fitting in anywhere, Right? And so, such a, a difficult time he's, he's having, isn't it Kristoff or something? Is that a different one? Oh, that might be another one. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, yes, this is, uh, this is, this, 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 these host of characters. It's just really interesting that they don't, they don't, you know, they don't find, they don't find any, any, any place of rest or, or hope until somebody can come along and awaken like gifts and stuff, right? And, and finally, like you got Rudolph who, you know, Santa comes along. Everybody hates him. And then all of a sudden Santa's like, oh, come on up here. Come on up here, my guy. And the moment Santa says something, people are like, oh, he's kind of cool. I kind of like him. Look at that nose of yours. You could probably lead our sleigh. Oh, my gosh, he's the coolest person I've ever met. After You can play football with us after. After all, Santa, uh, they're Rudolph. You want to play some soccer? You could be the captain of my team, right? Well, it's just like a flip-flop, right, of these, these shallow people, right? But I feel like, you know, this land of misfit toys, I feel like, you know, most of us could probably, you know, we, 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 we enjoy the movie probably because we can kind of identify a little bit, right? Like anybody else, like, man, <laughs> I look around the room and I'm telling you right now, some misfits, right? Like, how did you get here, right? Like, what? Seriously, how did you get here? Aliyah, by every statistic, you should be a drug addict. And you should have had a child when you were a teenager. That's what should have happened. But here you are, anointed by God, called, purposed, right? A misfit. It doesn't make any sense. You gave your testimony at tribe, and oh my goodness, oh gosh. And so, oh, just all of our hearts are just like out on the floor, and we're all like, uh, you know, uh, just celebrating the goodness of God and how it could take a misfit like you. You have no business walking in the anointing of God and the calling of God and the purpose of God. But yet here you are. Why? A misfit, right? 
And this is who the Lord comes for, isn't it? This is who, this is who the Christ has, has descended low for. He became a misfit because you're a misfit, because I'm a misfit, amen? Glory to God. And so you're talking about this story of, of, of misfits. And so t- t- tonight I want us to look at specifically how, how these midnight misfits, we call the magi, the wise men. Some call them the kings, right? They weren't kings, uh, but they were, they were king makers. That's how they were refor- referred to in history. These guys had been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. They were a part of the, the, median, uh, the, the, the median people, the Medes. And among the Medes, they, were, they had a special place. It's really bizarre, really bizarre that they, they, were, they were not Jews. These guys were Gentiles, right? Like you're talking about, talking about misfits coming to Jerusalem. These guys are no different than Herod. Okay, they're not supposed to be there worshiping this king, right? They're out of place. They're a long ways out of place. They're a two-year journey out of place. They're 900 miles out of place from their misfit island. And so, but here they are, these wise men who who are a part of a special uh, priestly group among the Medes who actually like like the Levites, oddly enough, are worshiping up uh, offerings and incense and things like this uh, for the worship of their of their deities. And so there's this bizarre parallel there we see with the wise men uh, coming to see this Jesus, right? Uh, these wise men from the east, and so they make their way. They make their way to. They make their way to to. To, uh, to Bethlehem. They knew where he was going to be. They had, they, had, they had long known, and it wasn't just the Magi. All of the people of the time period, the historians say, all right, the historians of the day say that all of the people of the time period knew that there was some ruler coming from Judea. And there was a great anticipation in the land that something was shifting in the atmosphere. And these guys, this is what they did. They interpreted dreams, right? They studied the stars, okay? These guys are come from, from, uh, from, from all the way back to the days of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. Right, and those stories are passed down from him to them and to their and to generation and to generation, all the way up to this Advent season. And they must have been looking to the skies. They must have felt some sort of anticipation deep within that something was shifting in the atmosphere. I don't know if you have that kind of anticipation tonight. I don't know if you have that kind of stirring in your spirit. I know that things look chaotic. I know that things at times look a little dark right oh but something deeper something something stronger within is telling me oh god is getting ready to unleash another wind of revival on a generation oh that soon coming king oh there'll be a second advent where he comes back but before he does oh i believe we're going to see all the glory of god oh fall again that's what they saw they saw a star most Theologians and theologians, theologians believe that that wasn't a star at all, but it was a flame of fire. And so they saw a glory of God, if you will, setting and it appeared unto them. And they said, that's what we've been looking for. We know where he's at. We don't even need it. 
but we'll follow it. We're going to go to Jerusalem because the promised one is here. How can you ask to access him, though? You're a misfit. You're not from Jerusalem. You're not a, you're not a Jew. You're not of the Hebrew people. And said, oh, something within them said, oh, I may not be a Jew. I may not be a Hebrew. I may not be a Levite. Oh, but something within me is telling me that I'm called, that that sign is for me. And so I think I'll go. And so how is it that you can go, not for a week, not for two weeks or three weeks, but two years on a journey? Can you imagine? I'm sorry, I'm screaming. I'm just a little excited. Two years. And you know they're passing people along the way, right? And people are like, bro, where are you going? How long have you been on this journey? It's a long time, actually, two years, you know? Oh, you're following a star, are you? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. You left everything. Uh, it's been two years. Not there yet, huh? All right. Praying for you, right? <laughs> Go get him, tiger, right? Like two years? Two years. How long have you been pursuing? How long have you been pursuing the, the purpose of God on your life? How long have you been, how long have you been, how long have you been uh, uh, following after the promise of God? It's in your heart. All they could, no doubt, these misfits could have given up anywhere along the way. You, you have to understand that their journey wasn't easy. You have to understand that their journey, no doubt, went awry on more than one occasion. You have to, you have to understand that they were weary and tired along the way. You have to understand that they met enemies along the way. And what about you? Isn't, isn't their story much like our story? And in our pursuit of our, of our God-given inheritance and our God-given mandate on the earth to release his glory, don't we too meet a lot of setbacks, a lot of side roads, a lot of dips and, 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 and turns and curves, oh, a lot of contrary, uh, a lot of contrary uh, passerbys along the way? But what will be your response? Oh, that what was within them was so great, the anticipation. The anticipation was so great that they couldn't stop. They had to pursue, and they pursued with great intention and great purpose. This is the same, this is the same reason Mary was able to continue pursuing. Every step she took was a step of purpose because that's what happens when it's in you. That's what happens. My goodness, talk to anyone that's pregnant. Their diet changes. Their, their home begins to change. Their tri trips out, they, they, they begin to orient their life around, uh, around, the, around the, their, their doctors that, have been a, that they've chosen or, or what have you. Why? Because they're anticipating something great. And the sacrifice that it takes to see the promise fulfilled is worth it. Well, how about you tonight? How about you tonight? How has the enemy tried to, to knock you off course and off pursuit of what he has for you? Oh, I know depression's real. I know anxiety's real. I know, I know particularly in the last two to three years, we've seen a generation shook uh, with anxiety and, and these emotional distressors like no other generation has ever seen. But we come to announce tonight that there's one greater. Oh, he's wonderful, counselor, mighty God. Oh, and you may come with all kinds of issues, and you may come with all kinds of missteps and shortcomings, 
You too may be a misfit. Everybody along the way may have disqualified you and said, you're not a Jew. There's no point in going. You may as well go back to where you come from. You're from the wrong side of town. You're from the wrong mama or daddy. You have no godly inheritance. Oh, we come to announce that our inheritance, oh, begin from the foundation of the world. Oh, with this Jesus, oh, who set his love and affection on us. Amen. Glory to God. Christmas. Midnight misfits. Man, can anybody identify in the house? Wow. Midnight misfits. I don't know about you, but I've been I've been pursuing after Jesus since I was probably, I guess, 18 years old, 17 and a half, I think is what it was when I surrendered my heart to Jesus. And I can tell you right now, even in the house of God, I felt like a misfit most of my life. Hell yeah. I, I've not fit in anywhere that I've been. It's just, it's just a reality. In fact, I tried to run away from, from the call to preach in my life because, because, man, I knew I'd be different. I knew I was different. Like, I'm not going to preach like them. Right? Not because they weren't good. I just knew it wasn't me. And I'm like, I don't know if I fit. It's a struggle of my life. Insecurities. Every step along the way. Right? But here we are. Why? Because he came from misfits. Like me. Misfits, like you, he came and became a misfit himself, who's born, where? Oh, but, 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 but in a, in a manger. Oh, my goodness, even as a, um, as a, a teenager, as a 12-year-old boy, he's a weirdo, right? That sounds really dishonorable and blasphemous. What I mean by that is, you know, like, come on, we know that when he's in middle school, uh, the... the I wanted to say homeboy, but that also sounds condescending. Jesus Christ, right? But he's not, people don't see him as that, right? You understand, like at the time, he's, he's not stepped into that earth, that, that priestly ministry yet. He's just another dude. And so, but this other dude is like, is, is, is left three days by his mommy and his daddy. And what is he doing? He's debating with the religious elites. He's debating theology. He's not debating, like, who the goat is in basketball, right? Like, he's not, he's not having conversations about, about you know, the, the World Cup, right? He's having deep theological discussions, right? He's putting every single Unitarian on blast. Thanks, God, thanks be to God. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. And so, so Jesus, even as, even as a, a, a child, he's... He's a, he's a misfit, and, and, and we look at his first sermon in Luke, and, and we read that, man, Luke chapter 4, goodness. Usually, we had a, at Thanksgiving dinner, we had a long conversation with family members, and one of the family members just made it a point to explain that, you know, those homeschoolers, you know, it's like, they are some weird people. He's like, man, they're, because, and this dude knows that Jessica and I, this is what we're, have, like, we're, you know, this is, this is the goal, right? And so, and he's just going in, and Jessica's like, oh, you know there's somebody around this table that was homeschooled. He's like, hey, 
I'm like, <laughs> probably confirming everything that you ever thought about homeschoolers. I don't know. And so, you know, like sometimes, but as odd as, as, as Jesus appeared or, or the misfit that he appeared to be, you know, he was so approachable. Everybody's here, even the children. Even the children and people are trying to hold back. He's like, suck it, let them come. Let them come. And Luke chapter 4, what does he say? His first sermon. He opens up the, he opens up the scroll. And he begins to proclaim the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy about himself. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because there's misfits. He said, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news. Who? To who? To the poor. To the fringe. To the outcast. To the forgotten ones. To the ones that are overlooked. To the ones that are lowly in society. That's who I've come to make proclamation to. To inspire with hope. To give hope. To proclaim good news. To He says, to, to, he has sent me to proclaim liberty. To who? The captive. <laughs> He's come to proclaim liberty. <laughs> Not to the church. To the captive. Oh, to the one that's bound. The one that's broken. The one that's tried to be free. And has had moments of freedom. But fell back into captivity. He said, I come for you. The one that everybody else gave up on. The one that everybody else grew weary with. He said, not me. I'm going to stick right beside you until you get through it. Oh, I'm going to stay here. I want to stay here with you. And he does for 33 and a half years. He's going to stay here. He said, I want to stay until the promise of the Father comes. I want to stay here until all the glory that the wise men saw comes to an upper room. Oh, my God. God, my God, comes to an upper room and that my spirit that is with you now will be with you forever. Oh, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Why? I come for the captive to make sure they're free. Hallelujah. That's good news for you and for me. He didn't come to set us free for a moment that we might feel some spiritual high or emotional high around an altar to feel elated or some sort of placebo effect of our emotions or our sickness. Oh, but it's long term. It's long term. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Oh my God, I can walk in freedom. Oh, I can live in freedom. I can go to school and be free. I can be free in my home. I can be free in my bedroom all by myself with the lights off and my phone in my hand and nobody looking. I can still be free. With a mama that doesn't care what I surf on my phone, I can still be free. Why? Because he's with me. He come for me. He come for the captive. Was anybody else a captive in this place? Oh, my God. 
Oh, what good news there is being proclaimed over your life this night, even in this moment. I don't know what shame you came up, you came in the room with, but there's good news. He came to proclaim that you can go free. Why? Because he became a shame for you. Oh, he bore it for you. Amen. Thanks be to God. There's good news in the room tonight because he came for the misfit. Hallelujah. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind. Amen. Oh, that you might see everybody in Jerusalem. They can see, but they're blind. Oh, it took wise men 900 miles away that were Gentiles. Oh, to see with the spiritual vision. Oh, I'm reminded of the story where Jesus meets the blind man. Oh, his friends bring him and say, oh, won't you touch him, master? Oh, and he takes the blind man, the Bible says, to another room, and he, and he gets some spit and puts it in his eye. Do you remember the story? And he has to pray for him, not once, but twice. It's the first time he asked him, he says, can you see? Do something you've never done before. Can you see? And he says, I see men as trees. And he said, well, that's not good enough. But I came that you could see. So I'm not going to leave you. Oh. I'm not going to leave you with a partial healing. I want to stay right here with you. I want to walk with you until you can see wish we had some people with enough of God in this room who had some who who knows good and well that they live in a community of believers that struggle from time to time oh that from time to time they become blind in their sight from time to time that they they step into the the pit the 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 the, the stumbling block or the pit uh, they fall into the pit I wish we had some believers instead of pointing at them and yelling and pointing at them and yelling hypocrite instead would be a little bit more like Jesus has come right alongside and said, it's okay. I'll stick with you. I'll stick with you until you learn to step onto the stepping stone. I'll stick with you until you learn to, to get around that, that gaping whore, until you identify that snare of the enemy. Oh, I would to God that we had a community of believers that was over the judging and the backbiting. Oh, what I would submit to you, if that's where you're at still, you see ministries because you wouldn't cut them down. If you saw him as a creation of God. And so Jesus says, the first message he preaches, I've come for the misfits. And the good news is, he doesn't stop coming for the misfits. The good news is, you can approach him. His invitation is for you and is for me. Amen. And so he says, he didn't say to every misfit, I am who you are. Rejected by men, you're accepted by God. Amen. 
the stone the builder has rejected, there's a, there's a place I've become. He said the cornerstone. There's a place for you. The Bible says that we are, we are living stones fit together upon one another because he knows your gift when a man can't see it. He knows your gift when you can't see it because of, of all of the, the stuff that clouds our way. Right? He still knows exactly where to place you. Amen. Hallelujah. He's loved you. He's loved you in your innocence. And he's loved you just the same in your guilt. He's loved you in your, in your freedom. But he's loved you just the same in your perversion. Oh, I know that's hard for some of us to hear. Watch this. What he says to the wise men. Uh, let me say, it's clear that the wise men come. They didn't just come to see. They wouldn't just come to be like, I want to touch the vibe. Right? Like that wasn't it. Right? And so, they didn't come to depressing. I don't know if that's a thing where you're at, but that's what my kids are talking about all day, every day. Cussing each other. Maybe it's not good. The Bible says that when they came, what happened? What'd they do? Fell down. How'd you come? Touch a vibe? Kick it with your homies? with worship when you come with costly worship there's a response right there and I submit to you that anytime we come into a place like this in conflict and there's not a response coming from us it's because of compassion and I could preach right here a long time on what worship costly worship looks like I got five minutes. I want to say this. Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord warned them and they turned and went. Don't go back. God's got a purpose, He's got a plan. He offers peace and freedom and insight. Once you receive it, He's letting you see it. Don't go back. Don't go back. I don't care what Herod has offered. And I don't care what title he proclaims to have over you. He is a liar. And the story is a type of Satan. And he is a liar. And the fact that Jesus, that Jesus breathed the breath of life was the fulfillment of Genesis chapter 3. Oh, and she shall 
travail and bear, and her seed will bruise the head of the enemy. Oh, this is what he has come to do, he said, is to destroy the works of darkness. And the fact that he came, the fact that there was breath in his lungs says, you don't have to go back. Oh, the works of darkness have been destroyed. Don't give them life. Don't go back. Don't go back to the depression. Don't go back to the thing that has inspired the anxiety and the fear and the worry. Don't go back to the thing that promised gratification but only left you empty. Don't go back to the relationship that became manipulative. Don't go back. If you want to walk in freedom, if you want to walk in fresh vision, if you want to walk with worship, don't go back. You don't have to go back. That is good news. You do not have to go back. And I don't know where it became a, came rooted in, in youth culture, where your life has to be like this with sin, where your life has to be like this with relationships. It is alive from hell. I don't care how out of whack your, your chemicals may be in your, in your body. Because, you know, like, that's what happens. There is a God that can bring perfect balance. There is a God that can cause you in your youth. The prophet said that the youth shall be strong. They that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Amen. Amen. Why? Because he can bring a steadiness to you. Paul told Timothy, be an example. Don't let anyone despise your youth. Don't go back. Don't go back. But be an example in all that you do. Be an example. We need some young people in the house that can be an example of what it means to live a righteous life. To be an example of what it means to destroy the works of darkness. To be an example of what it means to demonstrate Christ alive and his glory to a generation that is desperate for truth. Oh, know that what was then is now. There's a generation that heart is filled with great anticipation. Oh, they see the signs. They understand that the times that we are living in are strange times that something is happening in the in the spirit realm but somebody's got to point them to the truth right now every other uh, culture is bent on 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 pointing them towards a devil's hell i don't care how many stones they throw at you i don't care how many how many incense they say you have to burn in your house don't you follow the lies of this culture Turn your face like flint. Oh, and begin the pursuit. Don't go back. Amen. I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful for those midnight misfits because they're a reminder to me that that midnight misfit that came low, oh, my God, oh, that we are not disqualified. Amen. Bow your heads across this room. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.